Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Anyway, anyway, another week of no football. Boring, isn't it? You watch any of the internationals? No, not not even one. Not even one. I think <laughs> was not interested. I think I played, put it on last night for the England game briefly. Saw the sending off. Saw the first goal. I don't. What was this final scoreline? Three 0 I think. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, I saw the first goal um, from Watkins. Uh, he played. Yeah, Watkins scored, and then I went upstairs. To be honest, I saw the sending off. I think it was bizarre. Everyone was asking, like, why is there sending off in a friendly? I think the referee took it a bit too serious. Um, and yeah, I think I might have. Might have yeah, at, least, the game. At, least the, at least the Prem's back this weekend. Needed that. Yeah, I think the Premier League's back. There's, there's, and there's, there's some changes, isn't there? Some changes in the, a, 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 a drift coming in next season. There's talk of um, these five subs they're going to bring into each game next season, isn't it? Five as you, can make, as you yeah. can make five subs during the game. Yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts on that, boys? So, currently, they, they've done that because of COVID, right? They carried that on. They added the from three to five, didn't they? Because allowing COVID. Kind of, yes. But right now, they've got the um, the concussion sub, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you, you yeah, can have that, that separate. That's a separate sub if there's a concussion. Mm. But what they're saying is there's going to be five subs going forward, not four. Well, three, That's... sorry. Four. There's three, isn't it? Three subs at the minute. It was three, but... yeah. Four round. Yeah, that five subs only really... Um, it's, it's pretty much being used everywhere else, though, isn't it? In all the cup competitions. It's just the Premier League that's not using it. And and, and that's that, that that creates that dynamic in, for the Premier League that says Premier League's the best league in the world. It's made because of the part of the intensity that only three subs allows, right? So you have three subs and you've got to be more tactical, you've got to be more um you've got to be more fit, your fitness has got to be higher, arguably, um, as players. Um Yeah, I think um I, I think that, that the five subs just gives you a little bit more headroom, doesn't it? I don't know if I agree with it. I kinda of like seeing it's it's good to see 
teams who have not used subs, for example, in the, in the 80th minute, all of a sudden bring people on. And you've got the other guys who are knackered. And you see just a burst of energy. And you almost see a game switch in the last five or ten minutes. And I quite like that with the three subs. Yeah. To really be tactical, like you said. But five subs almost makes it a little bit easy, doesn't it? I'm not saying easy, it's hard, but... But do you, you know, think it gives... It, it. Do you think it gives maybe teams to take a risk with some of their sort of up-and-coming talent? Ensuring, yeah. you know, is that an opportunity for, for teams that are like, like, like teams like Arsenal, you know, as they sort of rely on more youth, does it allow them to sort of take a risk? I think it probably does, but it's less risk, isn't it? Well, more, more, sorry, more, more risk at using players and, and actually give them more of a chance to go out and say, actually, I can make five subs. Um, two of them, I'm going to have a bit of a punt at and say a younger Saka and a younger Martinelli could come on, but I'm actually bringing on some experience on the pitch as well in the form of, you know, Xhaka, let's say, or, or, or Lacazette like at the it time. Really your, uh, it tests your squad depth for sure. Like you've, got, you've got to make sure you can almost do a like for like when it comes to the big boys. Because you imagine playing someone like a Man City, Chelsea, um, Liverpool, you know they're going to bring on quality. And if it's a nil-nil game, you need to almost have that on the bench to be able to at least keep keep it nil-nil. Because you, you get a draw against Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, you're fairly happy. Maybe not so much Chelsea, but Man City for sure. Um, and for Arsenal, um, or Arsenal, Man United, West Ham, they need to ensure that they've got good depth. Because you can, you can bring five subs on, and if three of them are rubbish or cost you the game, then you know maybe you should have just picked that quality in the three, which is why I probably still prefer the three. You make sure the right players come on. And it's not just so much giving people chances and whatever, and losing games as well. So I don't know really. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I probably agree with the concussion sub, but I don't know if I agree with the five. So is that is that six in total then, potentially? I'm, I'm not too sure about the concussion. If that's going to be part of the five or six, <laughs> right? Wayne, what's your thoughts? I mean, I'm kind of a suck on this one because I I like the three subs. I think it's like, like everyone said this. It makes you more tactful. As a manager, as what you've, you've got your game plan set when you're going into the match, I think the two extra subs. I don't know. It's, it's going to help. It's going to help teams who've got bigger squads to give more game yeah. time to their players. Um, but then again, you could be someone like Pep. He, he has three subs and still doesn't use any sometimes. So, it's. Do you, do you think it allows for the Premier League? Obviously, when you think about managers and they're complaining about back-to-back games and they're complaining about sort of international breaks in between. Do you think it gives clubs a chance to sort of maybe give bit, a bit more rest to players? Um, that's actually, for example, Salah's had international duties, really burnt out. And actually, rather than only having three subs, I can give him 20 minutes game time and then bring him off or bring him on 10 minutes towards the end. But I've still got other subs I can use. Would it help us in that in that format, in, in the Premier League? It'll help, it'll help in that format. It'll help teams that don't have as many players playing for the international teams. If you if you look at clubs like Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United, or pretty much even in the subspens, they're playing for the international team. So how much of a rest are they actually going to get? Yeah, but would it would it almost rest your superstars though? It allows you to rest your superstars and give them less game time. I think the benefit seems to be for clubs that are chasing something. If you, I, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it benefits the guys at the bottom to be honest, because their their depth isn't good enough, isn't there. So you can just roll roll people off, roll whatever. But I think it's all about people chasing, like Liverpool, for example, want to chase more trophies. It'll help them out for sure because they can definitely pick and choose. Maybe they would they don't want to put too much into, you know, a second game in the Champions League, for example, because they know they've won that game. 
and they can push more in the Premier League. But a team like Burnley, is it going to help them? I don't know. Are they are they able to bring people on to attack games um, and attack people that are above them? I don't know, don't know really. I think it really it's not an equaliser for the guys down below. I think it's a more of a benefit for the guys at the top. What are your yeah, thoughts yeah. on it, Arch? What do you think? Look, I think it, it, it brings us a, a level playing field to sort of like the rest of Europe and how they how they sort of function as well. I think, um, like you say, other other competitions and there's five subs. So why would we? Sort of not equalise that across the Premier League as well. I'm I'm quite open. It's, it's no one likes change, right? So for oh. us three sat here, we only we used the three subs, and the concussion sub is a bit new. And you go, you know, players we're protecting players, which is the right thing. Um, you know, the Roy Keens of the world will probably go man up. You've just been headbutted. Let's crack on. I've still got <laughs> images of Yap Stam with his head wrapped in, or Tony Adams with his head wrapped around in a bandage of blood pouring out. You, you just carry on, you know, whereas today's day and age, there's a lot more protection. So, yeah, we've, we've, seen, we've seen both ends of the, of the spectrum and I'm okay. I think I'd welcome it. It'd be interesting to see how players develop. You might see some quicker development from younger players, um, which would be nice to see. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. The pace of the game changes because I, I would have thought the pace of the game should be changing if you've got more fresh people coming on. Yeah, I, I think, look, you see more, look, VAR brings more added time Stoppages bring more added time, so there'll be a lot more added time at the end of games as well. So, um, you know, for fans, it's probably a good thing. Games last longer. You see more players that arguably you might have gone to see and don't always see them because they don't get a chance to bring them on, but they will if there's five subs. Um, but then you have managers like Pep that sometimes they're not happy with the team and they expect more, so they don't make any subs in the whole game. So it'll be interesting. I think every manager will play it differently, but the fans ultimately will get more game time on the pitch. They'll see more game time, sorry, and potentially see more players. So. I think I think it'll be an interesting one to see. I think what another thing is interesting is um obviously international break at the minute and mm-hmm. as much as we haven't seen a lot of football um between three of us we you know we haven't switched on to international football um I'm not sure if you guys have seen I think it was yesterday's game of England um Maguire was getting heavily booed by yeah, the England yeah, yeah. he was he was heavily getting booed um and, and I think that's more linked to his club performance and his England performance is, is my sort of take on that. But so uh, what, what do we know about Maguire? So he's an 80 million price tag for United and he hasn't had much to show. He's, he's, he's a main United captain. Um, but for England, he's had seven clean shoots in a row in 21. That's for the first time ever. Uh, he's become the England's all-time top scoring defender in 2021. And arguably he was at the heart of the defence that got um, England to the, into the Euro finals for the first time. So is he really that bad of a defender? I mean, I've I've got an opinion about that. I think Harry Maguire is probably not a bad defender. I think it depends on the system that he plays in. I, he can't play in a system what May United want is play that high line, high defensive line, because he hasn't got the pace to track back for that. In England, he plays well because England's set up quite defensively. They're playing pretty much three at the back with two wing backs, and then I think that's why it works for him there because he's already in a defensive team. So who's his partner of England? Is is he part of John Stones? John Stones, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got he's, he's a fairly athletic guy, John Stones, isn't he? So you can almost rely on rely on that. And we, you look at United, and you think he really looks around. I think I've not really got anyone who's got who's got a back here. Well, Lindelof and Bailly. Yeah, I mean, just not just not good <laughs> enough. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I think this kind of links into something I was going to discuss as well. But we'll, we'll continue with Maguire, and we'll segue into what I was going to talk about. Um, I don't I, I think. I, no, go on, go on. I was going to say, so is it a case that actually 80 million is a massive price tag 
um, for for a defender. I mean, in today's day and world, it's going to go a lot higher, and there's another question in that I've later on. But eighty million for a defender that arguably hasn't lived up to it. So does he need to be alongside someone else that's stronger that bails him out? So his partnership right. in Leicester was who is it? Sorry, I'm just going to think historically though. I'm just thinking back. Do you know when um, Man United bought Rio, Rio Ferdinand from yeah. Leeds, right? Yeah. Is that 30 million? I think it was. 30, 30 million. I think, yeah. Re- I think he might have been the, the record transfer at that point, right? I don't know if it was yeah. globally, but Premier League at least. And Ferdinand had a good tournament, I think. It was a, it was a, I don't know if it was a Euro 2000s or something like that. He had a good tournament, 2002 maybe, World Cup. Yeah. Um, he didn't. He didn't have anything much with Leeds. Obviously, he'd been at West Ham, but he didn't achieve anything similar to Maguire. But he lived up to the hype, and obviously had the players around him. I wonder if the price tag has weighed on him. It, it might have weighed on him, but does it have? Does it have too much of an impact? It's the same as Ferdinand didn't achieve anything beforehand. Came to United, and obviously did it. I think it's. I think it might be the team. You know, I think it's the players around him. But no, I might remember um, Ferdinand came in, but he solidified himself within the team pretty much straight away. He didn't like need time the team to. Was, the team was good though. The the team, team. How's, how's this for some food for thought then? Back to your point. So you go Man United right now, probably for the last three seasons, below below average, really poor. Yeah. Mm. England in the other in the other hand, arguably in the form of. Yeah, most yeah. memorable, you know, for us is, is is great form. So actually, is it a case of that he's at club form? He's playing, he's at club at club level. He's playing for a team that is clearly isn't delivering, and therefore he stands out more so. But at international level, the team's delivering, so he's praised. So you know, could it be linked to the fact that the team's just shit around him? Can we? So my 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 question was, what do United need to do to get back to where they were? And it kind of okay. it kind of links to what you're talking about, Arj. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we we always knew United, at least in the mid two thousands, the late ninety, late nineties, they were just a force. They were the team to beat. Um, when Ferguson left around two thousand seven or so, the form just, you know, collapsed completely. The team collapsed. You know, the dressing room was gone. Um, what do they need to do to get back to that level to at least challenge and compete for the title? Any thoughts? Any early thoughts on that? I mean, they. They obviously need a decent manager. They've gone, through quite a few, they've gone through some managers, though. But I think they they need someone who's going to be able to manage the egos at the club. I reckon because there's so many probably there's so many there. You got Ronaldo, you got Pogba, you got Bruno, you got all these players. Probably got massive egos. Need someone who's going to be able to manage those egos as well, like Fergie did with all the players that he did. He had a, his, in his tenure. He had some massive names, but he, he managed them. I don't think anyone since then, you've got Van Gaal, you've got your Mourinho's, I mean, they're very argumentative managers themselves and they don't really, I think their management is probably not up there. So I think they need someone who's going to be able to come into a team and just calm things down. And another thing, they need to get recruitment right as well. I think, I think yeah, I'd agree with elements of that. I'd say two or threefold here. I think May United fans, the board, need to just lower themselves a couple of notches and just accept that they're not the club that they once were right now and then allow themselves to rebuild and do a bit of an arsenal. Now, we haven't achieved nothing yet, but actually you can see the transition, you can see the movement that's happening. Reduce the wage rule, get rid of the egos, get rid of the Ozils, get rid of the Vibamiangs, rebuild, um, 
but it's got to start from a little bit of patience and acceptance from the fans and the board. So bringing a new manager in tomorrow and putting 300 million on the table will not necessarily solve that because you can buy new players in, but you're not going to buy a whole new squad. To buy a whole new squad that's going to win the league, you're talking, I don't know, I couldn't even put a number on it. It's a number that probably won't be spent in the Premier League. So for me, it's lowering their expectations for a season or two, bringing a manager that they've got patience with and allow them to rebuild. And absolutely to Rambi's point, get rid of the egos um, and get some players in, reduce the wage bill, get some players in that will want to play for the badge uh, and and almost have two or three seasons We're on that transition already. Two or three seasons of actually no silverware, no expectation for silverware, but actually we're rebuilding and there's success in the, in the league. So I think they're still aiming too high and they're trying to compete with Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Um, and that's where their thoughts are. But but the reality is they're nowhere near it. And, and that's got to come from a rebuild. But this this rebuild, I mean, we're 2022 now, right? Yeah. I mean, this rebuild has been taking ages. I mean, yeah, know, but it's never been a rebuild. So... I, I, it's never been a rebuild. It's almost like a um, we're plastering over the cracks. We, you know, we're not we're not yeah. really we're not really getting to the root. We're throwing money at a problem that money can't solve right now. You need an overhaul in the club from the from the top down. I don't think we've gone through some class managers there. You'd say some world class managers in their time. Mm. And they haven't been able to solve the problem because they've not been able to rip them apart. Some of the statements that Mourinho, there's a, there's a quote somewhere, you know, and I should have brought it to the table, I've forgotten it. But some of the quotes that Mourinho was coming out with around Luke Shaw being lazy, around Maguire not being good enough, around Paul Pogba and his attitude problem, are they not all just resurfacing with every single manager? Yeah, I don't think it's the managers. It's definitely the players. That's, it's that's, the players. That's one thing. So my, so, so my point is, we spoke about in the last podcast around Mourinho's achievements. And actually, he, he did achieve with that club. He did achieve some great things with that club yeah, still. Yeah. However, I think you've got to give it to someone like Mourinho. Um, sorry, not Mourinho, but someone that's going to allow them to rebuild. Rebuild with a strong enough manager. Um, give them a good three, three years. Uh, and don't put the pressure on to go, oh, three games lost, sack the manager. You know, uh, and that's my that's that's probably my a bit of my thoughts because I'll give you I'll give you some of the thoughts on the guys on Reddit. And I know this I do this every week, but it's good to get perspective. So there's a guy called Karim Chelsea Eleven says, get a good technical director and start from there. Now I'm not sure in terms of the hierarchy if if we start at a technical director, but it might. I mean, the recruitment is a thing, and it might have to start at the te- technical director. So. He said, start of the technical director. Um, the recruitment's been terrible, splashing 50 million every season over on overrated English players like Maguire, Wan-Bissaka, um, over, overhyped uh, English players. And, I, and just to your first question, I don't even know if they warrant 50 to 80 million. So they're not they're not bad players though. Look, 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 look and back to that point, Maguire is not a bad defender. I think, back to Rambi's point, it doesn't fit the outfit. The team's poor, so the pressure's put on someone that you've paid loads of money for. Why are we not talking about Pogba? Was it, how much they bring him back for? 100 plus million? 80 million? 90 million? 150? What was it? 90 million, I think. 90 million. So you let him go on a free. You let him go on a free, you bring him back for 90 million, and then you let him go back out on a free. What has he achieved in your time there? Naffle. I think they're focusing. Sorry, they're, they're focusing on the wrong players, and I don't think that, that some of the players in there are not a bad bunch. De Gea, why are they not pointing the finger at De Gea? He's been there for so long now. Why is he not part of the problem? I think De Gea is, De Gea is a quality keeper, right? But what's happened yeah. is he's worn down over time. Yeah, but so why is he not part of the problem? Why, why are they not saying well, get well, rid of De Gea? 
to be yeah, honest, I, I think... I, sorry, Brad, I'm just going to say, the difference with Alex Ferguson and the rest of these managers, he was never afraid to get rid of a big player. People yeah. like Yap Stam and all these guys, he was never afraid to get rid of, rid of a big player. And someone like Pogba, he probably would have gone, you know what? Get out get out, out of the club. You're not representing this club properly. A lot of these players aren't representing the club properly. I don't think they know what it, what it is to be a Man United player. And I think you've got all these, the class of 92 guys, Gary Neville, all these guys probably thinking these guys don't even warrant but, but, shirt but, on. But Maguire's not... I mean, look, I don't think Maguire should be the captain. That's that's my opinion. I don't think he should be the captain, but I don't think he's that bad that he can't get into the Man United squad. I think he's a good defender. He's just not... He's just in a shit team. He's in a team that isn't performing, so he gets he gets the brunt of it because you leak goals. Recruitment. It's and the you... recruitment for sure. Hundred percent is the recruitment. They've 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 hired the wrong people, um, the wrong and the wrong egos. I mean, I don't know what Pogba does to be honest. He he he, he comes up in one every ten games. He might do something. Do you know what it is? I think what it, it might be for all of these players for Pogba, for Maguire, for Fernandez, for Ronaldo when they go into the bigger teams, like the France and England, when they've got all these quality players around, they seem to perform. What it is, they look around in United and think, that no. guy's just not good enough, that guy's not no. good enough. You look around at United and I say the midfield's not good enough. Yeah. I'd say McTominay and but Fred the, is not good Pogba, enough. Pogba, Bruno, Pogba, Ronaldo. Yeah. Pogba, Ronaldo's more or less their striker now. Yeah. So I'd say when they look around, there is quality players there. How can you say there's not? They're international players like De Gea, number one for his country, arguably. You go um, Pogba, starting eleven. Ronaldo, best in the country with Portugal. Uh, Bruno, again, in the squad. Um, Rashford, he's dipped majorly. However, he would be starting for England most games before a time, a time before now. Do you think he take, moves he, on? Do you think Rashford moves on? Yeah. Yeah, there's a Genuinely. major talk, majorly talk linking him to Arsenal. I hope we don't get him. Um, I think, I think, don't you think he'd be a good player at Arsenal? Not really. I don't want him on the left. Where are you going to play him as a top striker? He's not. He's not. He's not a number nine. He's a left winger, uh, and that means chucking Martinelli out. Nah. Yeah, Martinelli's quality. Martinelli is quality. So I think we're we're straying off the point there a little bit, but I think there are some good, good, good players in that Man United team. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's you know I think you need to get a manager in that's willing to, like you say, beat the egos down and say you're either playing for this club how we need to play or you leave. And and get, actually make you know, roll some heads, make some examples of players. Get rid of Ronaldo. We don't need him. Get rid of him. I say we, I'm not a Man United fan, but you know, get rid of Pogba. What was he done? Get rid of him and then rebuild. Use some of that money or get that wage bill and get some better players through that will play for your badge. So who are the, who are the top three managers? Do you think are going are going to make a difference? So Pochettino, I think will be should be one of them. No, um, no, he's a name. He's a name. He's a name. He's a name. No, he's a name. What's he done? What's he done? I think he knows how to build a team, right? I think he did. He knows how to build a team, but he can't get him playing. Yeah, exactly. He's got. He's got. The team's got to be willing to play. Play under his vision. I think they look at him. He's got amazing talent at PSG, but they don't. They're not performing every week, and he's going to walk into the same situation at United. United, the English version of PSG. He's allowed. He's got. He's got them to a point where their own fans are booing at Messi and Neymar. In what world does that happen? In what world do fans boo at Messi and Neymar? Why, I don't think. Why is, it, to... why is it always down? Why is it always down to the manager? Because ultimately, he's I, setting I, the team I, I up. Thought, I thought right. Messi was apparently one of the, the greatest players of all time. What happened? What was all of a sudden? All of a sudden, that bad? He's getting booed. He's not, he's not setting the team up right. He ain't got the team motivated enough to play for him. 
he's not getting them. He, look, you can't you can't go from back. We, we, we're reverting a little bit back examples. You can't go from a shit team like Maguire at United getting booed, playing for England, playing quality, and he's still getting booed for his club performance. But you look at Messi at Argentina. No, way, they would never boo him. They'd never boo him more because there's respect there because he's a top quality player. Now, the, my, my point there is Pochettino can't get that system right. The thing is, Engl- England fans, the, I don't know what the crowd situation was. I didn't watch it, but it's just become massive media attention this morning today that they're getting booed. And there's massive debate saying he should never be getting booed, etc., etc. There must have been just loads of Man United fans there. Because actually, as an Arsenal fan, if I was at the England game yesterday, I wouldn't be booing Maguire. I'd have no interest in that. Got, it's got to come from a Man United fan base. Because actually, England won. So why would England fans be booing Maguire? They wouldn't. So All right, so... Apparently, so based on what you, you boys are saying, Pochettino is not the guy. I think personally, I think he, he can he can he can rally up some sort of team. Um, I think I I think PSG is too much money, too many, and they are huge egos, by the way. What you've got over there, right? You've got you've got some egos at Man United, but you've got absolute mega stars and mega egos. Too much money. The expectation is completely different at PSG. You're expected to win everything. All the but time. To, but the Man United is in the same boat. You can't say they're not, not anymore. Is it not anymore? No, their fans no. are there though. Their fans are saying, "Oh, we we got to win every game. We're Man United. We won the treble. They're still that, they're going. That, that's that was twenty years ago. But mate. Then why is the pressure on them then? The, looking at the, the team, looking at the performances, why is there pressure on them? The if pressure, it, 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 surely. The pressure is to get back to a state. They're not even qualified for Champions League right now. Well, this they, is the they're point. out of this one. They're not even going to qualify this year for it. But this is my point. I think Man United fans booing at Maguire. Yeah, or, or England fans, may not England fans, booing at Maguire on the weekend yesterday is linked to his performance in the club because they're expecting every game to be a win. May United aren't that club anymore. They're not. They're, not, they're simply not that club. They're, they're not going to win. I don't think they know that. I don't think they do. No, they're delusional. I think May United fans are delusional where they think they'll still go out there and, 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 and sort of beat Liverpool 3 1 and go, yeah, we're a better team and go out there and smash Arsenal about like they you know like they have done in the past, six one or whatever. It ain't gonna happen. They're not, they're not they're not that team. And I think like I said before, maybe podcast one or two, they're living in the past. May United, no disrespect, Ram, are gonna be like the Liverpool fans in about five years' time when all they think all they're talking about is their history. All they're talking about is we won it, yeah, yeah, we've done this, treble, yeah, yeah. Okay, twenty years ago. Where are you now? Let's talk about now. And Ram, you've, you've been through that pain. So, you know, maybe you've yeah. got something to say. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. I mean, I don't... Nah. Poch isn't the guy. I don't... I don't... I think Man United are pretty much the English version of PSG. I think any any major... Oh, how? How are they the English version of PSG? How much money not, are they spending? How much they're they're spending not expected money. to win. So much money. Yeah, they are expected to win. Right in their in their current maybe state, where, where they've got um, you know Ragnarok as, ma- as manager, maybe they're not expected to win every game. But there is still an expectation for them to be considered an elite club. Yeah, an elite club. They 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 they, they, they can't sit here and they go the biggest club. This is biggest clubs in the world. You go. What's one of the biggest clubs in the world? And May Night will be in the top two. No argument. But, yeah, but that, as a as a business no structure, no, hang on, as a business, no, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. As a business and as a as a stature from what they've achieved in the past, one hundred percent, that they might be the biggest club on the planet, right? Right. So in why terms they of win what, everything? Hang on. How can they win everything if they haven't got the team there? How can they win everything? So why why did they beat? Why did they boot Mourinho out? Why did they boot um what's his name out? Uh, the West Ham man, Moyes out. Why did they boot Moyes out on the back of Ferguson? So Ferguson's era, you go, oh, we should win everything, correct? 
You know yes. where that you, you know no, where that second, team was going. Second. You know I'm, where I'm that team question. was going though. Yeah, but my point is the fans are delusional. The fans are in a place where they're going, Oh, we should win every we should win everything. We're May United. Now some of them, maybe a large majority now, are probably accepting the fact that they're not that club anymore. However, the clear expectation is whatever manager comes in, we'll just flick a switch, we've got the players, they're multi, you know, they're, they're superstars, and we should be winning every game. We've got Ronaldo in the squad, we should just flick yeah. a switch and start winning I every think, single game. It's when Ronaldo signed, every main night fan said, That's it, we're winning the league. Honestly, you guys are painting United uh, United fans with a ridiculous brush right now. This it's is crazy. True. Hang on a bit. Hang on a minute. How they're, 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 a lot of these Man United fans have come to the realization that it's a building process. How the hell can you at the start of the season think you're going to win when you've got Liverpool and Man City who have scored arguably the highest number of points over the last three or four seasons than we have in the history of the Premier League? Even before the Ronaldo signing, they did, um, I don't know, have, um, articles published by BBC or Sky Sports. All the pundits predicted their top fours for the um, for the season. True. Yes. Everyone had best. Liverpool fourth. Everyone had United second or third. But they had. Hang on. But they had. They had Liverpool fourth because because of what? That wasn't. Well, that wasn't the the after the title winning season, was it? No. This is the beginning of this season. Yeah. So they they, they fell off last season, didn't they? They fell off last season because of injury. Massively. Was, Massively. That not, was that put, was that enough to put May United above them though? Yeah, just because Ronaldo yeah. finished second, they, last and season. they signed Ronaldo. Yeah. So they, they hang on. So they finished second. Yeah. Right. So why would you not do? Why would you not predict it like that? Why would you, you know, not? Why think would you expect them? On? And that's my, that's our point. All of a sudden, they think they finished second. They look at their squad and go, "Oh yeah, we're going to win everything." No, they're not going to. You're too much. You no, are. No, it's not. It's it's, 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 I don't know why you can't see it. It's not facts. It's it not is. Facts. I think Everyone every United Ollie fan was knows. bringing home that title. Ollie's at the wheel. Remember Ferdinand? <laughs> Ollie's at the wheel. Give him the next contract and all that bullshit was coming out with. That right. lasted long. Okay, so, all right. So, if it's not Pochettino, which I, I still disagree with, it could be him. If it's not Pochettino, who's, who's the next person? In my opinion, personally, I think they need someone like Simeone. And time. I think Simeone and, and time. time. And time. Because he'll beat think... the ego out of anyone. Yeah. Because he's yeah, going to think... take nothing from anyone. Why, why would he leave Atletico Madrid though? It's been a long time. Yeah, but I, I don't think he will. But I, I, they need someone in that kind of mould. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I think he's a good manager. I think he's done uh, well against obviously uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. I think he's done well. Um, I think. Yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry, carry on. I was, oh, no, go on. You got a point there. Oh. I, I think what they need to do, they they can bring in any mediocre established manager in for me they need to bring Alex Ferguson in the club at a hierarchy level somewhere higher up to help stabilize and bring back some of that I think no no it's true I think I think he'll bring he'll bring back I think pressure he'll put the the pressure will come back but he can't come back in any sort of not in a coaching capacity that's really disrespectful but higher up somewhere that, that allows a bit of actually the club's going wayward we know how it needs to run let's bring this club back in line Right. That, it, health, like a director of football, not, a, dire- a director of football or something. Yeah, health wise maybe, but you it's know, at that sort of level. I mean, there's talks. I mean, I'm I'm straying off a little bit, but there's talks to bring Wenger back at that sort of level for Arsenal, somewhere yeah, higher that, up. That that makes sense though, doesn't it? I th- I think technically, technically Wenger's a very good manager. Technically, he got some stuff wrong, 
fine, but technically he's a very good manager. So they're also talking about the Ajax manager at the minute. I don't think he'll be a good fit. I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because that they play good football, Ajax. They historically, play good football. Um, but that league just isn't competitive enough to get an understanding of how high of a level he's managing at. I think Ten Hag by Ajax is probably the successor to Pep. Because Pep, he coached under Pep when Pep was at Bayern. So a lot of his footballing style is pretty much based on how Pep Pep plays. But I think he'd probably, I don't think he'd be the right fit for United. I think two two Kel two 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 Kel two yeah. show have is there's yeah, talk there's talks him now with, with, yeah. with Chelsea sort of collapse at the minute. There's there's talk of um, him as well now. Like, I don't I don't think we can get the right answer here. I think um, it, it's bigger than one podcast. Probably it's bigger than the ten fifteen twenty minutes that we're going to give it. Um, but there, there there needs to be a combination of players gone, new players brought in that will play for the club um, and that understand a bit of history that that brought the club, you know, to the level that it was at. Um do you think, and then go um, and go from there. Do you think whoever 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 does uh, get the next job, do they need to bring someone in like Rio Ferdinand? Um, no, not Rio Ferdinand, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Are you taking a piece? There's too much gas. There's too much gas. Why why are you bringing in Rio Ferdinand? What's why would you do? not why would you not bring him in? Bring Roy Keane in. You said Roy Keane, I say yeah. But why? Yeah, I agree with that. But, but, but why? Why? Because he's got some fire about him. Yes, that's what they need. They need someone, they need someone ch- to come in and rip him apart. The current have squad. Have you forgot? Have you the forgot who Ferdinand was? Yeah, but no, but no. He's Technically, too, he maybe one of the greatest defenders of all time in the Premier League. He knew how to set things up. He had good pace about him. He had such a good but, awareness but, of the game. But, but, but you know, it's it's one of the things I've read in the um, read in, I think uh, Steve Gerrard said that doesn't mean that if you're a good player, you're going to be the coach. I've not. You got to bring Fernand in and stick him in that kind of position. At United, he's got well, to prove himself. So what's Roy, Roy Keane achieved? He's, he's managed been, other. He's managed yeah, clubs. Managed with Ireland under O'Neill. Yeah, so what's he achieved? No, it's about the experience that brings Stoke. It's yeah, about so, actually yeah, being. Fernand's got that experience. Champions with who? You know? with, no, 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 no. Like managing and coaching experience that he hasn't yeah. got. He's he hasn't done that. He's not successful. Roy Keane. Who's not successful as a Roy player? Keane. He's not successful. Manager, no. no, no. But then you're. I'm not saying that bring him as a manager. We're not saying bring. No, him. but but even even in the staff, you're discounting Rio Ferdinand. You give me an option. You give me one choice: working or Rio Ferdinand. I'm bringing in working every day of the week. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying you're discrediting Rio Ferdinand. No, based no I'm not on discrediting. I'm saying working. I'll, I'll probably bring two or three yeah. players over Rio Ferdinand. That I would two think or three. That would bring in more from a sort of muscle and sort of commitment, and actually, we're not having this shit. What you need is in in, in a club. You, what you need is you need players that are small voices of the manager. So actually, when the manager walks away and the coaching staff are cracking on, they're just a mirror of the manager. You don't need you don't need coaches in there that are going to be singing up a different hymn sheet. Going, oh no no, don't listen to that. No no, what you need to do is X Y Z X Y Z. That's what you need. Players like that. You need you need a manager's coaches like that. Part of your arsenal. And I think whoever the manager is, they'll bring their own. They won't really want ex main United players because they'll probably think, oh, they want to run it like Alex Ferguson used to run it, not not how I want to run it. So yeah, I, I mean, think it's, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. I mean, that's why Carrick got shot, right? They, they let Carrick go for that same reason. You think he's still there? I thought they let go of him. And I thought I thought it was just Oli they let go. I thought 
the bathroom staff is still there. No, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure Kurt, I'm pretty sure Kurt got moved on. Um, but yeah, I think um, there's a couple of other bits that came out this week. Uh, the biggest one was Declan Rice and his price tag. Yeah, you guys see that? I haven't mm-hmm. seen that. What was it? Mm-hmm. So Declan Rice, the West Ham came in and said, got, I think two years left on the contract on his contract. Um, Chelsea have heavily, you know, linked to him. Obviously, yeah. that's all sort of down the pan now. And they're saying, um, with two years to go, you could have got him for 100 million last season, but yeah, she's worth more to us now. 150 million is what they've slapped him on at 23 years old. 150 million. What's your boys' thoughts on Declan Rice and 150 million? I think he's a he's a very good player. Let's be real, he's a very good player, especially the club he's at. He's uh, outperforming, and I think he would do well at high level. Actually, he's played well for England. I, I don't know some of the some of the price tags that get thrown out in general these days of players is just ridiculous, overinflated. Um, does he warrant 150 million? I've got an opinion. Uh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait, and maybe one of you boys will mention. Tough. I mean, because he's 23 years old, right? I think 150 million is probably good good money spent. To be honest, if you if you're going to give us five or six quality years at a, at a big club, you might win us win us some trophies. Maybe it, maybe it's well spent. To be honest, he's a good good quality player. He'll get good good games at wherever he goes at a big club. Plus, he'll be at England level as well. He'll always play quality football. I don't know, and you know, you probably better sell him on for a good good amount at 27 years old, probably. That's my view. I mean, he's a quality player. I mean, I can't dispute that. He's very good at what he does. I think 150 million is too much. I would for oh, a, for a, for a player type of player he is because he doesn't does he get many goals? Does he get many assists? He's he's like he's like um what no, Fabinho he does what Fabinho does at was uh, yeah. yeah what Fabinho does at Liverpool or what Rodri does at City. So am I going to pay 150 million for that? I'd I'd max it out about 80 90. Yeah, so so this is this is going to be my point. I think what we're seeing there and what we often see with English players is the English tax. You're an English player, so yeah. therefore all of a sudden they're worth an extra 30, 40, 50 million more. I think it's, if, it, if someone, if West Ham came and said 100 million, you go, in today's market, that's probably reasonable. I think they're just slamming on an extra 50 million because he's attached to big clubs. His name's attached to bigger clubs. And if they want him, come and get him. And, and actually they'll probably sell for probably 130, I reckon, if they get 130 for him. But I think there's a lot of English tax there. I think he's a quality player. Um, I think he stands out at that club. It'll be interesting because for England he plays really well as well. Um, if he slots into a a Man City, Chelsea, maybe not. I don't know if he'd fit into that Liverpool squad there, but maybe for the future he would. Will he get found out? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Twenty three years old, still so. very young, still very young. I think he's a good player. I, I, One fifty is just a ridiculous. It's, it's just huge money though. It's massive money. I don't know how many players in the Premier League can even warrant that sort of stuff. Well, that's what Spurs went for Kane last season, right? One fifty. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's ridiculous money, really ridiculous money. Just, just um, one more question. Sorry, I'm taking over today. It wasn't my turn no, to yeah, take over. Right. One right. more question. Um, just, just quickly, if I was to say, top of your, top of your head, I'm hopefully you both say a similar answer. If I asked you who's the best centre back in our league or the world right now, Jesus, uh, right now, Van Dyke, Van Dyke, yeah, Van Dyke, right, okay. So the statements come out. Um, by Michael Ballack. I'm not sure if you guys oh, have read this. I've read this. You're right. So, Michael Ballack goes, Van Dyke's really lucky to play in an era where there is no Drogba, Lampard, Alan Scherer's in the name as well, Henri, Rooney, Van Persie, Tevez, Adi Bayo, or Diogo Costa in the Premier League. 
that's why they think he's the best defender in the world right now. So I think Alan Shearer wasn't part of that generation. I'd say he's he's well before. But actually, Drogba, Lampard, Alan Shearer, Van Persie, Tevez, uh, Costa and Adibar a bit later on, they're not. That, that calibre isn't now in the Premier League of, of strike force. So actually, does he stand out more so because of that? What's your thoughts? So I've, I've got a question just on that as well, actually, just coming after. So I'll come after that. Okay. It's not, you know what, that's not a bad point. I know, Ram, you're a you know, Liverpool fan. But to be honest, how many, how many defenders in the Premier League these days feel that pressure of a Drogba, of, a, of an Henri? There aren't many. I, I, my, so my question, basically, right, is has that number nine slot, has that disappeared now from football? Or is it starting to disappear? Because there's less and less players like that. Like Drogba, Lewandowski, um, Harry Kane, all these guys are kind of specialists. It's a good time. But what, we, but what we're seeing now is we're seeing Salah, Mane, um, a Ronaldo, Messi, floaty types that can play in different positions. And we're seeing a lot more. So there's different pressure. But I wonder if I wonder what Van Dijk would have done if he had to mark Drogba for the whole game. I mean, Drogba's no slouch. For me, Rambi, before I know you're itching to say your point now, I think for me, the difference is you've got Omri, you've got Tevez, different club, Chelsea, Diego Costa, uh, Lampard. You know, you've got some of these players. They're not just at one club. So when you when when you play against Liverpool, Man City, you know you're going to have a fight. Yeah, when you play Liverpool, Arsenal, say Arsenal six months ago, a year ago, you're not going to have a fight. You haven't got that caliber you're dealing with. You play with Chelsea, you're having a bit of a battle there. You've got some class players. I don't think there's enough teams out there that have got really strong players that really, you know, stand out and do a job and will put Van Dyke through his paces like there was before. Just Can I just wait, well, but before you jump in, Ram, are we discrediting Van Dyke at this point? Would all of those strikers be just as good if Van Dyke was in the league at that point? Yes. They had, obviously, they had good players, obviously, Ferdinand and all these uh, centre-backs. But Van Dyke is a monster. He's a very, very good defender. He, he commands that centre, that, that, that back line very well. Would they have been just as good as well? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an open... Open question, but go on, Ram. Look, I mean, I'm not saying Van Dyke wouldn't have struggled against some of these players, but to discredit him completely like that, I think is an injustice because the lack of striking quality in the Premier League is, is not as good as it used to be. Let's be honest. Top striker in the Premier League right now, Harry Kane. If you think about striker, it. yeah. And a yeah. striker, Harry Kane, Ronaldo, if you're pushing it because he's Ronaldo. Mm. Um, that's about it. You can't count the cock because he's been crap. Um, so, in, but in, even in pre- previous few years, you got you had Aguero. Um, so it's it's difficult to say that, but I would say that he'd probably do really well against those players as well because I think he's he's fi- he's physical as well. He, he can get physical with him, and he's not going to back down. And I think. On a technical point, I think he's probably up there, you know, competing with someone like Rio Ferdinand in terms of, in terms of a technical defender as well. It's, it's it's difficult to say, but I think if Van Dijk is one of the best centre-backs in the world, then playing in any era wouldn't have been a problem, problem for him. Back to Sook's saying... point, though. Back to Sook's point. Because, OK, so I think they, they both questions marry really well. So centre-back, the best centre-back in the world right now would say is Van Dijk. We're saying, arguably, maybe I am, or the question is, or maybe Suk will in a minute. We're saying that the reason why he's the best centre-back in the world is because there's a sheer lack of class strikers, back to Suk's point. So, actually, if we saw some real class strikers coming back through 
all of a sudden we click our fingers and we've got the Omri's of the world. We've got someone like Van Persie that can, you know, lift it with his left foot. Or we've got Diego Costa that will actually headbutt and chew and everything else. Would he be found out? I think the perfect example is, I think, when Liverpool played PSG a couple of seasons ago and they had the likes of Neymar and Mbappe in that team, they were pretty quiet. They didn't do much against Van Dijk. So, I think, I think Van Dijk, he's got that aura, he's got that presence about him. He, he has got that. I mean, he's, what, the one thing that a lot of the defenders back in the, the Drogba, Henri era didn't have, which Van Dijk has, is pace. He's quick. So, you can, Liverpool can play that higher line and know this guy can track back. He's, he's fast. I don't think any of the uh, centre-backs of yesteryear had that, apart from maybe Ferdinand. I mean, I'm blowing on his trumpet a little bit too much today, but... I'd, I'd say those two are very similar in, in terms of their style. Um, I think he would have handled them, to be honest. I think he would have handled Drogba, um, Henri, I don't, uh, all, I, all these guys. I, I agree, yeah, disagree with some of that. I think I think there was fast centre-backs. I think it's just some of Arsenal ones. I think Sol Campbell, there was a train. Nah, I think he about... Was fast, no, he was. Was he? No, he, I think he, he was quick, but he wasn't it, at that level of Van Dijk or Ferdinand. No, right? no, no. But no I way. think, like I said, the games changed as well. So I think there was an mm-hmm. expectation back then. So you, you probably, part, as I said, I partly agree with what you're saying. I think what 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 Van Dijk has more so over other defenders of yesteryears is the technical ability. Mm-hmm. I think his technical ability is is amazing, um, and, and that's what why he stands out more is that calming that calling calmness about him is that Rolls Royce sort of defender just glides, you know, muscles around, steps in the right time. And you don't see a lot of errors from him. I think there's the odd own goal somewhere, I'm sure, in, in, in the record book somewhere where Van, Van Dyke's messed up somewhere. Um, yeah. But you don't see a lot. You don't go, you don't have that wincing moment that you do as an Arsenal fan in the past where I go, oh, shit, Seagans on the ball. Or, you know, or, or whoever, you know, is on the ball and, and they're making mistakes. Whereas you don't get that as a Liverpool fan, I don't think, when Van Dyke's on the ball. So I think it's... um. I think Balak's of an of that era, isn't he? So I think he's got a comment to say because he's played through that generation of football. Um, and, and I think there's a, there's a, there's an argument there. I do think there's an argument there. Um, back to your point, question. Back back to your point, Suk. Around has has that number nine role started to disappear? Is that what you said, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, Lewandowski is probably one of the last memorable ones that I can remember of today's generation that still plays like that. Like an Alan Shearer sort of role that sort of sits Target on, man. yeah, sits on the back line. I think if you look at a lot of the strike, Harry Kane, how deep he plays now, he's more mm-hmm. interlinking play from the middle up. He's not, he's not he's not even the last person up front. He's like in the middle, and everyone's gone above him. Uh, you think about, um, I'm trying to think about Aguero was another player that was like that. That he was he yeah. sort of sat on on the last night. You just don't see it anymore. What you see is you see wingers. You see Vardy. I think his transition. He's more of a winger going in now. And, and he's got that pace that he uses. Um, he doesn't necessarily always sit on the last defender. He relies on his pace. You think about um, even Arsenal. I think I talk Arsenal a lot. You go, our goals are coming from our wingers more so. And Lacazette is really deep and has the hold-up play to allow other players to come around him. So I think, yeah, I think that, that number nine role is starting to sort of disappear. And, and, and it's that, not as... I mean, it's it's not... Dis, dis, well, it's, yeah, it's probably disappearing, but it's kind of evolving at the same time as well. Because yeah. uh-huh. they're... Because it's not a proper out and out number nine, it's kind of like a false nine now, isn't it? Which mm. that position has always been around, but it probably wasn't as heavily utilized as it is probably now. So, you've got like so Harry Kane's dropping down a lot, like Cazette, Firmino's been doing it for years. Um, 
Benzema's been doing it recently as well in Real Madrid. Mm. Um, someone like Suarez always used to drop drop down. So it's something that's coming back. It's been happening for a few years, but it's just evolving rather than probably. I think clubs are probably looking more for players like Ronaldo, Messi, Salah, Mane than someone who, you know, was like a, I don't know, Filippo, Filippo Inzaghi or a Vieri or someone, just an absolute target man. The guy didn't do anything else. You pass him the ball and if he's in the box, Van Nistelrooy, you know, I can imagine Van Nistelrooy mm. on the wing now, for example. It's not going to happen. He's was a, the greatest six yard. Yeah, Ibrahimovic, yeah. another example. Zlatan, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. just sits yeah. there, muscles around. Has the link up, but actually will shoot nine times out of ten, hit the target, or get a goal. I think um, you need um, players to be a bit more have, have a bit more diversity about their game now. Mm. Uh, so you know whether it's a defender who can who can go just from centre back and go left back or right back or whatever, um, for or a floating midfielder. I think you need a striker who can dip onto the wing and allow the formation to change a little bit to, to push forward in a different way rather than kind of a flat four four two with the target man at the front. You're right. I, I think I think the number nine role is more like what Burkamp used to play at Arsenal. Is how I see it now. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. see it sort of step back, link up, bring the players in, link up, play, and then sometimes we'll see himself at the front and we'll get a goal as well. Um, so you're absolutely right. I think that it's more of a you, you've got to show your diversity in in, in football in, in role play. I'd say. You can, right, um, go on, I'm sorry. Would you count Haaland as a number nine? Yes. Yeah. I, it's an interesting one, Harlan, actually, because he's he gets so many goals, but I feel like he does float as well. He might be the he might be, be the evolved version of the number nine now. He might be what's coming up next because you you do think of him as an absolute out and out striker. But you don't but see he, him on the wings. I, I I don't watch a lot of him, but I don't really see him on the wings. I see him dropping back yeah. and then carrying the ball, and that's yeah, what so a lot of number nines for me. Yeah. A lot of number nines, I think of like Alan Shearer. They carried the ball from like the the top third, I'd say. At best, they would never drag it from the halfway line and run with it. Very rarely. Fat Ronaldo is so, probably the greatest number nine, isn't he? And he yeah. was. He was the guy. Oh. He, he was diverse, right? He would. He would move from the top end of the midfield into the mm. into the final third. He was a complete but, number nine. Yeah. Um, so just just finally, then maybe on. I just want to do the, uh, the, the debate segment and just see what your thoughts are. I might I might pipe in on some of these as well. Um, so the first one. Uh, Fernando Torres was an overrated player. Hmm. Right, what are your thoughts? I disagree with that. I think yeah. pre injury, he was probably the best striker in the world. Uh, at Liverpool, at, at Atletico, even for Spain, you know, he was scoring winning goals in the final. He was electrifying. We were scared to play against, defenders were scared to play against him. And. Yeah, before he got that uh, horrible injury, probably one of the best strikers in the world. I don't, I don't think he was that great at all. I, I think, yeah, look, I, I, unfortunately do agree with Ram. However, it depends what what part of Torres you saw. I think if you, you still say Torres's name and go, oh, it's Torres, it's Torres. You went to Chelsea and you went, it's Torres, it's Torres, and you expected more, you expected the same, it never happened. So I think he became overrated, if that makes sense. So he went through. A time that was like you can still say his name and go, yeah, he's going to produce, but then he stopped producing. So therefore, mm. I think when you said his name, he almost became overrated. I said, yeah, all right, story. So what big deal? He's going to miss an yeah. open goal, you know. So I think he was, and then he became overrated. All right, this this next question is a bit of another contentious one. 
Mo Salah has a better Premier League career than Thierry Henry. And this is this looks at achievements basically within that within that period of time. It'd be interesting to see what you guys think about that because I know Salah, you feel like he may not have achieved a lot, but he's, he's, he's achieved quite a bit. And obviously, on Henri is Henri. I think um, I know that's a hard one. I think that's very hard because I think what he's achieved with Liverpool, Champions League, Premier League, what other cups have they won? Ram, talk so to I'll, me. I'll give you. I'll the, give you. I'll give you the stats cup. of what they won. So, so Henri won two leagues, three FA Cups, and he won the Euro two thousands. Euro two thousand in that time as well. He wasn't in the. He wasn't signed for Arsenal when they won the World Cup the in ninety eight. Yeah. Salah won the Premier League, the League Cup, Champions League, Super Cup, and the FA World FA Club World Cup. And obviously, with all the goals and how he's carried that team into, you know, one of the highest point scoring um, yeah. visits in, in the league. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. You might dismiss this straight away as and, well. And got a better career. I'd say uh, right uh, right now, I'd say uh, Salah's got more to give, and we'll see how that sort of unfolds. But right now, if mm. if Salah ends his career tomorrow, uh, which would be harsh um, and probably doesn't do him justice, I'd say Henri's got a better career in the Premier League. Um, he's invincible. So it's, a, it's a good point, yeah. Ramon, um, any, any views? No, I, I mean, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with what I said. I think Henri, at the moment, has a better career in the Premier League. Uh, and whilst he's playing for a Premier League club, um, let's see, by the time Salah finishes, he could be ahead of Henri. Uh, but at, at the moment, I would say Henri has a better career. If you, looked at right. the big, if you looked at the bigger picture and said even as a football career, how old is Salah now, Ram? He's 29. Okay, yeah, so he's got a lot more to give. He's got another probably good yeah. three seasons of actually top-level football. So he'd probably go on to do better, bigger and better things. We'll see how that unfolds. But you go, even as Henri left Arsenal, went to Barcelona, he did bits there as well. And he actually he won trophies there as well. So I think overall the, the trophy hall probably matches up or will match up. Uh, it's an interesting debate, but it's one that you wouldn't probably try and put together really because it's Henri's Henri, but it's interesting. Um. So next one, this, this might be a tough one, really, but uh, Man City are a better club post investment than Chelsea were post investment. So when they're Chelsea... relegated. When? Man City got relegated. Not post investment. Not post investment. Um, it'll take it over. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, it's right. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, mis- misunderstood the question. My bad. So obviously, Chelsea have achieved. Uh, they, they've won more trophies than any 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 um, club in the last twenty or so years, right? Um, but I feel I feel as a person, Man City are in a better position and will kick on to become the dominant force, which Chelsea kind of did, but they fell off a little bit. I think this is a similar question to um, we about the Salah and reasoning. If you, if, if you probably look at it right now, you'd probably lean towards Chelsea. We've seen more Chelsea years with money. Yeah, yeah, so. we've, and Chelsea have won two Champions League. They've won the Europa League as well, so they've got European pedigree mm. too. City point. haven't been able to do that. So City in England, yeah, re, re, you know, won all domestic trophies, the leagues, and you know, but I'd probably lean just towards Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm in a similar similar vein because I think purely because we've seen more years of Chelsea with money. Um, Whereas with Man City, we haven't quite seen that. What we've seen with Man City is the level of dominance that Chelsea hasn't. For me, Chelsea didn't show that level of dominance with the money they had. I think Man City have shown that. I think um, Pep has changed the way football's played in English. English football's now been played. 
Um, and I don't think Chelsea really did that. Um, so if you take if you take achievement out of of what Chelsea obviously had, obviously the, the achievements you can't really take it away. But what I'm saying is, in terms of the teams, the club, City are a better outfit with the investment now than Chelsea were. I'd probably yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it is a tough one because. You know that 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 Chelsea club had completely changed, and if you go take out, keep the investment, take out the achievements, is what you're saying essentially. Keep the uh-huh. investment. Is the squad, is the outfit better than the Man City outfit? I think that was a, a slick team that Mourinho was running. Mm. I think Iron Robin, Didier Drogba, Frank Lampard, John Terry, Peter Cech, Ashley Cole. You can go on and on and on. You know, mm. uh, and. Um, that that was a that was an amazing team, um, and and I think that'll be a, a really good match to watch in in, in in real terms. But I think Man City for me, um, it's the instant climb that they had for me. Yeah. Chelsea was wasn't wasn't there or thereabouts, but actually there was still a name that you often talk about. And go yeah, you know Chelsea, but Man City wasn't a name anyone was talking about. Man City was like yeah, a Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Man City was a Newcastle. That's what I meant. Man City was relegated before that and then came up. That was that squad. Mm. You know, and they came up through the ranks. Actually, for me, post money, Man City stands out more from a sort of outfit than than Chelsea than Chelsea are for me because because of that alone. They they weren't they Chelsea weren't grappling with the likes of relegation. They weren't they weren't dealing with lower league low, lower half of the league. They weren't a Newcastle. Yeah, I agree. Um, some of these, I mean, some of these questions today are bullshit. I ain't gonna lie to you. This 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 next one might be a bit dismissive as well because you don't know yet but Haaland and Mbappe will be better than Messi and Ronaldo mm, hard to say mate. that one's hard um, it's too early in their career I'd say the numbers that um, um, Mbappe and um, Haaland are producing would suggest that they're going to be better than the other two yes um, so it depends Mbappe, what they're going it depends what they do if Mbappe does go to Real Madrid and Haaland goes to City, for example. What what are we going to see? Are we going to are we going to see carnage? Are we going to see more and more goals and records broken? And maybe Messi and Ronaldo become third and fourth? Or are we going to see Ronaldo and Messi? I don't I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I don't think Messi and Ronaldo become third and fourth. Messi and Ronaldo become the new Maradona and Pele. Something that you don't forget. Something that is 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 timeless. You, you just will remember them as the greatest of their era. I think we're seeing a new era coming through in the form of. Mbappe and, and um, Haaland they just happen to play football at, at the same time as them two are petering out if that makes sense I think um, for me Mbappe going to Real Madrid I still think it's maybe one or two seasons too soon you think? Really? I think yeah no, I think it's the right time I think it's the right time I think it's the right time for him maybe because PSG's going nowhere but the jump from PSG it feels as though it's a class player and for France, yeah, it does bits. And for PSG, it does bits as well. And it stands out in games that say, you know what, you can see he needs to go to a more established club that will challenge him and stretch him more. But I still think he could cut his teeth somewhere else a little bit more before making that jump to Real Madrid. Because I think about, I'll put it this way, I think about Ronaldo at Man United and what he was doing at Man United. Now, arguably, we watch Man United more than we watch PSG. But he was absolutely smashing that league, right? He was doing bits. He was doing crazy stuff, left, right and centre. And, that propelled him to go to um, Real Madrid and smash every record possible, right? Whereas 
I don't see a lot of that in Mbappe at what he does at PSG. So Ronaldo in the Premier League was great, amazing. I don't can't compare him to PSG because I don't see enough PSG. But if you look at the Champions League and what Ronaldo was doing in the Champions League at Man United, I see more of that. He'd won the Champions League at Man United before he mm-hmm. went to Real Madrid. P- yeah. But Mbappe hasn't. So I think he's got more to do before he goes. He's going to go. Of course he's going to go because he's an amazing player. And Real Madrid want that player. I still think he could have had a season elsewhere, two seasons elsewhere. He could absolutely where cut his teeth. Have gone? Where and that's gone? the thing, because he's at PSG. Where else do you go from there? Because actually Real Madrid come calling you go. Um, it's hard to say because actually money talks. And but, but if, he, if he had gone from somewhere else and it wasn't Real Madrid. He could have gone. He could have gone to... Level. No, I think in a team before now, in a team before now, he could have gone to a Man United and from Man United go to Real Madrid. That's how I see it. If Man United were a little bit better, if if Man United were Mourinho's, if Man United were Mourinho's Man United, he could have gone to Man United, cut his teeth for two or three seasons. Man, Mourinho's it. Man United was shit, and they got they got they got no, but yeah, they, they won stuff. Style. They won stuff. Yeah, yeah Mourinho's style. Yeah, parked, yeah, he was defensive. He parked the bus, and he played in that fashion. But you know, some, like a Rashford at that time. Like, you know, Rashford's gone down the pan now. So you know, maybe I, it's know, I, I, I think Mbappe, if he was going to go to a club from PSG, it would have been a top, top, top club because he's that talent, isn't he? He would have gone to yeah. like a... Uh, he's Man that City talent at a money... He's, he's, a cl- he's, he's a top talent at a money club. All of a sudden, you strip out that money club, they don't achieve nothing in Europe, right? Let's be honest. They've not achieved nothing in Europe. Are they much more different to Monaco? Apart from the money. So he was at Monaco before, right? He went from yeah. Monaco to PSG because of the money. Nothing more. And they've created the superstar team and they dominate the league and they still lose it at times. Yeah. Him now going to him now going to Real Madrid, I still think because PSG is just there because of money. They're not there for any other reason. They're not an elite club. They've got an elite, they've got elite players because of money. They're not an elite club. Man City is an elite club. Because they've got the yeah, money and if, they've achieved. You because it's right though, isn't it? Yeah, but how much more investment can PSG have? How much more investment do they need? Imagine the best version mm. of PSG would be France, right? And he's obviously won on he's, he's obviously won global honors, European honors. But it's not the best league in the world. That that, that tournament, the tournament though, in, in terms yeah, of France. France no, no, France. yeah, sorry, no, sorry, yeah, France, yeah, with France, yes. So I don't know. I mean, him going to Real Madrid right now, go go play in the best of class. I think he just destroys it. I think he's a different animal. Mm. I think you look if you. Cause I you think it'll be very good to see. I think he'll be scoring goals for fun out there. You're ridiculous. I think he'd be ridiculous. I think it will be ridiculous. Are we saying that because he's doing that in PSG? Why are you saying that he's going to score? Why are we saying that he's going to score goals out there for fun? He carries games, man. He carries games. But he didn't carry PSG in the Champions League. He scored the goal. He may tried to make a difference, but ultimately it didn't work. So why is he going to score goals out? But that's the team that let him down. I mean. You look at that game. They, I think PSG went up one one nil up again in that game as well. Yeah, yeah. And then defensive stupidity just cost them a game. And it wasn't it wasn't down to Mbappe, but uh, I think. He's, he's, Do you think they're going to give him time to grow at Real Madrid? For sure. Yeah. Madrid, no, 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 no. Or are they going to expect matter. actually your Mbappe deliver now? Game one, Eden Hazard, prime example, went to Real Madrid. Spoke about it last last um podcast massive price tag and that we argued that it was probably the biggest flop in in transfer history yeah could that not happen to could that not happen to mbappe i don't think so 
What, I, I, think the mentality, I think the mentality is different between Mbappe and, and Hazard. You, you forget Hazard frail, of the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, you saw frailties of Hazard and his impatience. Yeah. You know, kick, kicking the ball on the floor and all yeah. this sort of stuff. It's like... Yeah. He, and then he, he took the season off, didn't he? He's got, he took the season off as well because he didn't like his manager. And he's put loads of weight on. I don't think he's you put see that. But what, stop, Mbappe Mbappe but what stops that? I think it's hard to see. We don't see enough of Mbappe. I don't think we see enough of Mbappe for us to make all these comments. Both sides. Both sides that says that he's not quite ready or that he's too ready. It'll be interesting. I'm <sighs> okay. looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. It's happened. It's happening. I'm really looking forward it's to it. Back, back to your question. Sorry, we've absolutely digressed on this. Back to your question. I think um, the numbers that both those boys are producing uh, are phenomenal. I think they're going to smash records. Um, if they both stay injury free, and they end up, and they, there's no doubt they will end up at top clubs. If they can cement their positions in these clubs, I think they'll smash records, and they'll be the next um, Ronaldo and Messi in that in that respect. I think yeah. they'll be competing for Ballon d'Ors. They'll be um, smashing records. And I'd love I'd love for someone to come in and do what uh, Ronaldo did at Real Madrid and and absolutely, you know, rape the league. But look, time will tell. Yeah, I think it, the the key thing here would be what their next clubs are. Yeah, sure. If if Haaland goes to Bayern, I don't think he'd be. I mean, it's it's it's, it's terrible to say, but I don't think he'd be, be no, in that conversation. He wouldn't be in that it, conversation. It'd be, it'd be a Lewandowski because you go, why is Lewandowski not in that conversation? Yeah, with the numbers he produces, why is Harry Kane being spoken before Lewandowski for the best striker in the world? Or maybe he doesn't. But, so, you know, so, wh- uh, why is that uh, my question? So, my final question is on Harry Kane. Harry Kane is not a big game player. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think I, think I agree with that one. Uh, why I, do you agree I, with I, that one? Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the big games he's played in. There's probably not many, but he hasn't really turned up in any of those. I mean, I, I'm thinking back to the Champions League final, I suppose, right now. He made himself play in that game because he he was injured. Got himself fit, played in the game, didn't do anything. The whole team didn't do anything though. The whole team didn't do anything, and even even at the Euros last year, I think Sterling was the best player on the team. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Harry Kane did much. Maybe he scored a couple of goals here and there, but I don't think he had much of an impact on how the team was playing. So, yeah, I don't think he's a big game, big game player. I think. Um... It depends. Look, I think about the London derby, North London derby between Arsenal and Tottenham. I think he's scored in every single one that he's played in bar one. Um, that's a big game. Yeah. But that, that, lev- that game hasn't been of standard because Arsenal haven't been of standard in the last few years. Now, they're changing now. I'd like to see what happens when Arsenal are a bit stronger and Harry Kane plays against them. It's still a big game, though, isn't it? So you can't say... It, standard or no standard, the rivalry's there regardless. The if you become rivalry. shit, it's still a big game. It's, it's still a big game, regardless. You know, Liverpool, Everton, no matter the disparity between them, it's always still always be a big game. And and that's the sort of game that the weaker team can still try and end up doing a number on them. The based on where you are, where you're playing. The, yeah, the, 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 the occasion, that's a big game, though, isn't it? That's a, yeah, I'd call that a big right. game. But the occasion's big, but you can almost pick a winner, right? Because of, based on the, the quality of the team, I don't think you've Arsenal ever been able to pick a winner. I don't think you've ever Arsenal been able to pick a winner shit for the last few years. But you still couldn't pick a winner between Arsenal and Tottenham. I don't you know. I would have put a bet down. I would have put a bet down. You could do the same for Liverpool or Liverpool Everton. Uh, Liverpool Everton, the disparity massive. is too big. The disparity is too big right now. You'd always back Liverpool. 
but Everton, that sort of game will still have the ability to put still pull Sank out of the hat. And, and that's why I think Harry Kane, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes next because he's starting to find a bit of form. If, if he ends up going to a bigger club, I think that that's where you'll start to question if he's if he's a big game player. I think, no disrespect, I'm not a big fan of Tottenham, obviously. I haven't got massive rivalry like a lot of Arsenal fans do. I don't think Tottenham's a big club. Yeah. So therefore, I don't think there's ever really a big game. The biggest game they have in their season is against Arsenal. I don't think when they come against Man City and go, that's a big team, we have to win. I don't ever come away and go, and even though they won this season, you know, uh, and I think, did Harry Kane score? He scored, he scored, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you'd go, you'd, you'd say actually he's delivered in that big game. So I think as a club, if he gets, ends up going to a bigger club, I think that's when the conversation will start to come and go, is he a big game player? Can he go in the Champions League with Man City and score in the semi-final, carry him like Henri did uh, for Arsenal, and you say he's a big game player. Now, Henri didn't live in the final, but he carried the team to the final. That's so what we're talking about. We're talking about Harry Kane as potentially one of the greatest strikers around at the minute, right? He's one of the best strikers around at the minute. This guy, regardless of club, I'm not, I'm not saying regardless, you know, if you put him in Burnley, he's going to be shit, right? Tottenham aren't a bad team. They've got some good players around them, Son and the likes, right? Um, he should be delivering in some of these big games. He's always, he always falls asleep. I mean, uh, this season especially. I mean, I know you said the uh, the thing about going back and forth for Man City, but I don't know. I, I, I think he should be better. I, I don't think you can say he falls asleep because his numbers that he's producing, we were just talking about the last podcast, like he's got the potential of being the highest goal scorer in the Premier League. Yeah, but not this season, though. What's yeah, not this, this season? season. Yeah, but he's, fall, he's dropped off because actually he's had a distraction, you know, Man City came for him. He didn't want to play. Tottenham's up and down, you know, not really delivering. So he's been distracted. However, you can't say he's not a big game player. Was Alan Shearer a big game player? Mm. It's difficult, I man. I can't remember, man. Right. It's probably too long, too, too long ago for us to remember. Was Rooney a big game player? Yes. Yeah, right. Rooney was. And then he's an overtaker in the Premier League. Is he already overtaking him, isn't he? In the goal scoring? Uh, not, not just he's yet. Not, in, 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 well, in, in England, um, he's going to overtake him, isn't he? Has he already overtaken him? My point is, but he's scoring goals. His job is to score goals. And he's going to break you. records. So we can't say well, he's not a big game player if he doesn't deliver. Personally, one goal in a big game is worth five goals in a game against fucking Burnley and Leicester, right? But delivering... Delivering 18 points or 15 points and missing missing out on three or getting one, surely that holds more weight because you're still carrying the team. You might you might win 2-0 and he scored both goals. Is that not more important than losing or drawing against Man City? Because you no, just got me six points. I don't disagree with you, but I feel like the big team should deal with these, these small teams, right? If you want your men to step up when you're playing against the best player, best team in that league yeah, but, but you're not the best team though are you I think if you're saying he's at Liverpool and he's playing Man City or he's at Man City playing Liverpool or even put Chelsea in the mix and you go toe to toe the teams are equal deliver fine we can have a debate but you're going to Tottenham toe to toe now deliver you get mauled across the pitch now you beat Man City fine good you know you've done the job there well done but I don't think the team's big enough as a squad to deal with these bigger clubs so therefore I don't think it's hard, but I think look, his numbers speak for it. So he's a big game player. Interesting, interesting. All right, any anything else? Anything else that wants to be discussed today? No, I think it's a long podcast. I've got a question, um, but we'll bring it the next one. 
All right, gents. Sweet. We'll. All right. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.